had a, a physical, sort of visual mm. image of, of Carmel. Ha, 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 she has a very specific, um, very striking way of, of, of speaking. I was wondering mm. how, how her voice came to you. You were saying earlier about reading it out loud. Um, mm. How did you develop that, that voice? I think I knew right from the beginning that there was something quite odd and intriguing, and this is about her. And really, this is the, um, the sort of uh, reason that that um, what happens subsequently happens to her, um, but I I've always felt with children that um, that they actually lead quite sort of interesting and rich inner lives that sometimes adults discount, and you know I remember thoughts and and ideas I had as a as a child. And so I, I wanted very much to make her her own person and not, and not give her a childish voice, you know, particularly, obviously it's got to be age-appropriate, but I didn't want to talk down to her by mm. giving her a childish voice. And the way I thought of her, and I thought, well, she is a person who happens to be eight with her own perceptions and um, and she's very scathing about adults that do do think the opposite actually and she says oh that they just think that you've got brain like a bat or a mouse or something like that I was wondering if know. I could force you to I mean I, I yeah sure if there's a particular bit you, that you think would would fit that I mean I quite like the this beginning of chapter four which I thought was it's like, I like playing in the garden at the moment. But, oh, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's, bit, yes, that's fine. That's, just to give a sense of that. Yeah. I think it just gives that sense of her being slightly un... But yeah, I, I leave yeah it to you. no, that's fine, that's fine. I like playing in the garden on my own, making dinners. There's a tree at the bottom with twigs that if you skin off the bark looks just like chicken, white and flaky. So with twig knives and forks I can put out dinner. There's old leaves though, black and slimy, left over from ages ago. So I kick them away to make a gap on the grass. I'm super safe here. Around the garden there's a stone wall and I can only just about see over the top. Over the wall there's fields and hardly any houses, but I can see smoke from chimneys puffing far away. There's a long way, I can see, as Mum says Norfolk is flat like a pancake. As I'm playing, I see two big white birds flying side by side. One's a bit in front of the other, like he's the leader. Their necks are stuck right out and they're flying low down, wings flapping away like it's hard for them to stay up. I climb onto the bottom of the wall to see better and guess what? They fly right over my head and I have to laugh at their big tummies wobbling in the air and their orange legs dangling down, flappy and useless. But that's when I turn round and see Mum's face at the window. Oh, she tries to go back, but it's too late. I've caught her checking, I'm still there, like she does since the maze. Then she comes out of the back door with her coat on, like it's nothing at all, and I never caught her. She smiles the sort of smile people do when they want you to stop being grumpy. What was funny, Carmel? What was funny? What was funny, Carmel? I mutter under my breath, but so she can't hear. But I feel bad because her smile looks a bit broken. Anyway, I want to tell her about the birds. Geese, she says. 
Like snow geese or like goose that Alison had for Christmas dinner? Yes, both. They mate for life. That would be male and female, you saw. I have to ask, as I'm not sure. Mate for life? Yes, they stay together forever like they're married. So not like you and Dad, then? I don't say that, of course, even though she's annoying me again, crouching down and pretending to play with my leaf plates because she doesn't want to go back inside and leave me alone. She fiddles around with the twigs I've put down for knives and forks, making them all untidy. One of her brown boots stands on a plate and crushes it, though she probably can't realise and thinks it's just a leaf. <laughs> it really gets that sense to you to saying the sort of weird internal logic, the way that, that games become something that are both an expression of come but slightly keep the mother outside yeah. at the windows. Yeah, I think it's the sort of relationship of mothers and daughters that um, sort of quite early on, before you think it will, gets a little bit scratchy. And it's a very close, obviously close relationship that they have. But already she's, she's pushing the boundaries a bit and, and getting a bit sarky with her mother and feeling a bit overprotected and... And her mother just wants to sort of completely overprotect her, as particularly as she sort of, you know, she she does has done this vanishing act before, and um, so it's a little bit of a push me pull you relationship. And there's a dream sequence later later in the book where where that sort of play, played out again, and mm. and um, the the the. Um, the two are talking to each other about and Carmel's saying, you know, you just lost me. You just lost me like I was nothing, like I was a ten pence piece. And Mother says, well, you wanted to be lost. That's why. So, I mean, this, this goes all the way through the book and I think it's somehow at the heart of it, really. Mm. 